Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor some of my favorite conversations have happened over the rims of mugs i'm denise harper co-host of the morning show with bill and denise and program director for the bridge there's something special about sitting across the table from a friend whether we've known them forever or for just a minute with a good cup of coffee and an open heart and hopefully today's conversation will inspire and encourage you Welcome to another episode of Over the Rims of Mugs. I'm your host, Denise Harper, and my guest today is Pastor Doris Burns, a dear friend to me, and I was starting to make a list of all the things that I know about you, and I I thought it was endless. <laughs> it should scare me. <laughs> um, I mean, we've scrapbooked together and uh, Bible art journaling. And you're so you've got a lot of artistic flair, but you also you have a black belt. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, your real secret weapon, of course, is the Word of God, because you're also a pastor. Amen to and, that. And um, the associate pastor at my home church. And uh, gosh, your mom, your wife, and you bring so much joy in the room when you come in and you work with us at the bridge the radio station especially during our fundraisers you come in and pray for everyone who uh calls in and shares prayer requests and you work with us on our bridge prayer works facebook page Uh, like i said it's an endless (laughs) list and so it's wonderful that you would peel away a few minutes of your time and come in and kind of share some of your story with us, because uh, I think you have quite a story to tell. And so, welcome. Well, thank you very much. It's actually a pleasure and an honor to be here. And you were talking about the things I do, but I think that two favorite things I do are serve God. Well, actually, I'm going to give you four. Serve God, um, take care of my family, minister to people in need, and pray to God faithfully. Mm. And that's where everything else comes after that. But mm. That's where my heart starts. Amen. I can believe that. Uh, and I see it day in and day out with you. Did you grow up in the church setting? I mean, when did you come to know Jesus? I am laughing because absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to do with church, and I didn't even really know who God was until I was 37 years old. No kidding. And I was struggling with depression and anxiety. I had post um postpartum severe depression Uh, Mm. my marriage was struggling i was having a hard time taking care of my son and a couple of friends who knew i liked music told me they were taking me to a concert they didn't tell me they were taking me to a christian concert (gasps) wow (laughs) and during the intermission of that christian concert in dover the lead singer spoke about his struggles with depression and how god healed him and rescued him and brought him out of that and next thing i knew i was at the altar call 
and they were doing a second concert, but they had empty seats, and they said anyone who wanted to stay who could. My friends were leaving, and I said, have fun. My husband's going to pick me up after the concert. I'm not leaving. <laughs> you stayed for a second round. <laughs> I did. A second dose. And that was the change of everything for me and the beginning of my healing. Wow. That's an incredible story in its own. <laughs> Do you remember who the artist was? New song. <laughs> it was new song. Oh my goodness. That's beautiful. Yeah. So years ago, we won't say how many, but I love that you had friends in your circle of influence who cared enough to invite you. They saw that you were struggling and invited you to a concert like that. I did a friend and actually my daycare provider who was a very faithful Christian, even though I was not. Aww. And she took care of my son every day and had a great influence on our lives. So how did that impact your husband and your child, the, the family setting? Because obviously, when you meet Christ, it changes everything, <laughs> everything. It does. Um, it was interesting because my husband went to church more than I did. Mm. And after I found the Lord, we had a lot of discussions about what that meant to us and what that looked like and how that would work. Um, and his faith grew as my faith grew. Mm -hmm. um, I'll show a really funny story with you. After I had been saved for a few years, um, I was asked to start teaching Bible studies, and God started working in my heart. And one night, as my husband and I were getting ready to bed, I said to him, now, you can't laugh, but I have to tell you something. He said, okay. I said, I'm serious, you can't laugh. I said, I really feel that God is calling me to become an ordained minister. And he started laughing. <laughs> And I said, why are you laughing? He said, because God told me two years ago that you were going to be a minister, and I've been waiting for you to figure it out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Okay, did that blow your mind? Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was still struggling with the reality that that's where God wanted me to shift yeah. to. But um, my husband already knew and has been... Literally, he has helped me every step of the way, including yeah. going through the ordination classes with me. And he's not a minister. Um, he's yeah. a dentist. He's a great dentist, <laughs> yes. but he's a dentist. Um, but he's been there every step of the way from the beginning until today, and he will be till tomorrow, whenever that is. Yeah. <laughs> you had no idea that God had uh, spoken that to him. And I got to give him props for not saying to you. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yes. He held it until I was yes. until I knew and was ready. <laughs> until you were ready. Wow. I love that. I, I don't know, for as long as we've known each other, I had no idea that it was a Christian concert that introduced you yeah, to I don't know if we ever talked about that. <laughs> the Lord. But how did that help you? And you said you were walking through some um bouts of depression yes. and so how did that help you? After that day, I was sharing with friends that I had given my heart to the Lord, and they knew I loved music, so they literally said, you need to go to church, and here's a church you should go to, which is the church that I'm now a minister at, the Milford Aww. Church of God, because they have great music. Yeah. Um, I had not laughed in a number of years, and I started going to church, mm -hmm. and one of the first services I went to was a guest speaker, and on the way home, I had to pull over because I was laughing so hard. Ah. Uh. And so that was the beginning of my healing. But as I spoke with people, I realized I needed more of God. So I just delved into the word as much as I could. Mm. But I also found a good Christian counselor. Mm. And so between God's word, people that started coming in around me to support me, 
and a good Christian counselor that guided me, I was able to ultimately come to healing and restoration. And that's why I counsel people now, Mm -hmm. because I want them to have that same rescue, that same restoration that I had. That's such a blessing. Yeah. So when we started doing some scrapbooking together and then Bible art journaling, I remember that was pretty soon after we moved into the new studio and had room that we could do Bible studies and things like that. And you kind of came alongside um, when I was kind of delving into that because I had never done anything like it. I remember you showed up with a a whole handful of uh, here's how to and some ideas and things like that. I think one of the things that you and I both agreed that we loved about it was that the whole purpose of Bible art journaling is to linger longer in God's Word. 100%. And it's interesting because when we do art, we use a different part of our brain. So when we're reading, we're using one hemisphere, but when we do art, we're using the other hemisphere, and it gives us the ability to let God's Word absorb both sides of our brain Mm. and become more instilled in our memory as a result. Wow. So I remember when your son, because your son has already gone through college now, he has a Uh, master's? A master's degree in biomedical engineering. He's a smart cookie. He's a very smart cookie. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when he graduated, you had created a Bible specifically for him with lots of notes and things like that. And tell us about that. Um, I just, I wanted to invest in his future by daily reminding him who he was in Christ. And so there's comments and there's pictures and um, different pieces just to show him that he's always been in my heart, but more importantly, he's always been in God's heart and God's Mm. sight. Amen. That's an eternal gift right there. Yes, yes. I love that. Uh, He also likes to do some things. We mentioned um, the, the karate earlier, but he loved fencing. Yes, right? yes, which is like sword fighting, kind of. It's yeah, it's heavy duty sword fighting. It's not like Olympic fencing. It's with six pound swords and um, and I'll, I'll share. He he's been top five hundred for saber and rapier, but right now, due to a mold exposure in his apartment, he is unable to do sports. Mm. He's had a significant physical change at this time, some cardiac conditions. Um, He's starting to improve slowly, but he's gone from being a top athlete to teaching um, and not being as involved physically because he can't. And it's been a really difficult transition for him and a great loss. Mm. I mean, we all go through things where um, there's a loss of some kind Mm -hmm. sometime in our life. If we haven't had it yet, you know, it's just the way of the world that we live in. what are some things that can help us to stay upright when we hit situations like that? Yeah, you know, and it's hard because at that point we come to a crossroad. Mm-hmm. And that crossroad is even when we're stuck in the darkness, in the middle, in the answer that we don't have, are we going to stay with God or are we going to walk the other way? And our challenge of faith is to stay with God. Now, I was thinking about waiting is a word that we've heard i'm waiting i'm waiting for answers you know we're waiting to see the job restoration for my son and healing emotionally because he's struggling physically um and waiting is something that we always put a bad connotation to we hate to wait especially in today's society Mm. 
Um, so if I want something, I want it now. Yeah. I'm not going to wait to save the money. I want it now. Um, if I want the change, I don't want to have to go through the process. I want it today instead. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that God has shown me as we've been waiting for the healing is that we need to switch our thought process. So one of the things that he gave me is that waiting allows investment in tomorrow. Mm. So let me explain that a little bit. While we're waiting, we're investing in what God can do. We're building our faith and trusting in his good plan. We're thinking about what can we do in the wait to make it a process of growth instead of a state of darkness and denial. Hmm. And so we're investing. If I want to buy a house, I need to invest by saving a down payment. And if I want my faith to grow, I need to invest in my faith while I'm waiting to see God's promise Hmm. come to pass. And so we're investing in tomorrow when we wait for a house and we build that down payment. But what we're doing when we wait in God is we're investing in a promise that goes far beyond tomorrow, goes far beyond what we can see right now and goes straight through to eternity. And his promises are good, his plans are great, mm. and that's what we have to hold on to. Yeah. Now I'll say, it's hard. Because mm. <laughs> sometimes yeah. in the wait we get angry, we get frustrated, we get sad, that's our emotions. And then we have to regroup and refocus. And it's hard. We have to make a choice to not stay in the funk. You know, uh, I I mean, I totally get it. I think as humans, we kind of tend to go toward what's not right. This isn't fair. I didn't sign up for this. How much longer? (laughs) I want to stay in the funk, gosh darn it. Leave me alone. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but it's so interesting to me that uh, I know that our, my faith doesn't grow if I if I'm not doing just what you were saying, investing mm-hmm. in the good that I know that God has for me. Right. Um, and sometimes it's kind of hard to see. It is. So the investment is our prayer time with Him. Yes. Even being totally honest vulnerable to him how i really feel right he knows and he's okay with that yeah you know he he wants to know how we're feeling and but when we invest in reading the word and praying when Mm -hmm. we invest in ourselves by talking to others and getting support when we need it to carry through those those times Mm -hmm. um we find that we come out better on the other side Mm -hmm. and just as another aside that came to my mind is when we're looking at investing in the weight one of the biggest things we can do is invest in other people. Mm. Because when we serve others, we find that our problems aren't so big. We find that we're distracted so we don't remember them and hold on to them so much. And we find that we feel better on the other side of investing in someone else rather than solely focusing on ourselves. Mm -hmm. It widens our world. (laughs) Our perspective. (laughs) Right? Uh, It's really easy to feel... pitiful to feel that was the first word that came to my mind but to to feel sorry for ourselves when we're going through a hard time but when we come alongside someone else who is also going through a difficult time and we're willing to put our arm around them um it widens our world of solely focusing on what's going on with us we begin to shift our focus and god does something so special when we're willing to do that 
Absolutely. I've it's seen amazing. it over and over again. I have too. Yeah, it's I beautiful, too. beautiful thing. It's interesting that you would bring up the waiting. I'm going through a Bible study right now, and the focus for this week, this week in particular, was worship in the waiting. <laughs> so the study is the is in the book of Luke, and um, I'm in chapter two and three, getting into chapter four. And in um, chapter two, there's when Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple to be circumcised and to go through, you know, the, the Jewish cultural uh, law that they mm-hmm. were to observe. And Simeon and Anna are in the temple and they've been there for decades. Waiting. Waiting. <laughs> yes. Waiting for the Messiah. And uh, so my heart, I've been thinking this week about the waiting. Mm-hmm. Like there are some things in our lives that we have each been waiting for. Absolutely. Maybe a short time, maybe for a very long time. And that's the thing. We don't know how long the wait will be, mm-hmm. and it's it's different in every circumstance and situation. And sometimes the longer the wait, the harder it becomes. Mm-hmm. Is there a value in uh, identifying others who are going through that struggle and saying, let's encourage one another? One thousand percent. I think there's value. And here's the thing. If we don't reach out to others, we're losing out because we're not getting the support and the encouragement and the prayer support that we need, but we may be also missing out the opportunity to support someone else. You know, I always say to someone, there is no shame in saying, I am hurting in the wait. I don't want to wait anymore. I'm struggling. I'm in pain. I need help. That's okay to say because when we do that, when we bring it to light, like the word tells us, then we find that people can help us and they can invest in us and then we can in turn invest in them and we support each other and the wait becomes not so long, not so lonely, not so interminable because we have people with us helping us through. Mm-hmm. I have to think from from where you serve, uh, because I know you, you are in the church a lot, but you are also out in the community I'm fascinated by you're like f- five foot, four foot eleven four and a foot half. Foot we'll be exact. Half. Okay, I was giving you a half an inch. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but I would, if I were going into a very dark place, I would want you right alongside of me because you, uh, you, you can hold your own. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> so, what inspired you to to get into karate and your black belt? I mean, and I just learning that there are layers, levels of black belts, yes. and you're about to hit third degree. I get my promotion tonight. <laughs> wow. Okay. What does that mean? Walk that, me through this. Third degree black belt means I have invested at least 10 years in the art of self defense, the art of um, learning martial arts. It's, I always describe it to people that join karate as do you like speaking a foreign language? Because I'm terrible at it. Mm. Martial arts is like learning a foreign language in the way you move your body. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, But it's great because it works you physically, but you have to think mentally as well. And I think that's what I enjoy about it. Honestly, the thing I enjoy most about karate is that I teach six to 12-year-olds every Monday and Wednesday. I knew there was an ulterior motive. (laughs) And if you ever are in a bad mood and you want something to laugh about, since you gave my hideaway, we were in class Monday, we were fighting new white belt six to 12-year-olds, and a six-year-old tapped me on the arm, 
And he said, Mrs. Burns, that's what they say in karate. I said, what is it, buddy? And he goes, are you a grown-up? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, it's a good thing I'm not fighting you next. No, just kidding. <laughs> but there's a lot of fun in it. But, you know, the, the fun thing is they all know I'm a pastor. Mm. And they all know when they need a hug, yeah. they need to ask for something, or they need a prayer. They know that they can come to me. Yeah. And um, it's just a treat. But I started karate. You asked, how did I get started? Yeah. We started my son when he was four years old because he had developmental delays. And he had just finished therapy, and we didn't want him to lose the gains he made. So after about two and a half, three years of doing karate, my husband said, by the way, I'm joining the adult class. I, want, I used to do it years ago. I'm ready to jump back in. So after a couple of more years, I thought, well, here's the bottom line. Either I never see my husband and son or I join karate. <laughs> so I joined you karate. You can't beat them, join them. <laughs> Absolutely. Thinking it was just something to be with them and share mm-hmm. and found that I actually love the sport. Wow. There's something about the discipline in that sport in particular. I think there's discipline in every sport, but <laughs> that one, I've watched people kick break a board in half and yes i have you know i know you have uh so the whole going through the routines but the just the discipline that i see in a class and it's control um you know with the kids class adults class we teach control Mm -hmm. um we don't hurt each other because we learn control yeah but we also teach mutual respect Mm. um so when my son was a black belt before I was, because he started earlier than I was, um, when he gave instruction, I had to say yes, sir, to him. Because Did that he was, feel weird? Oh, <laughs> I think it felt more weird to him than me. <laughs> but because he had earned a higher level belt, yeah. he had a level of respect that he deserved as a black belt. Mm. So we all said yes, sir, to him. So what's after the third degree black belt? So my goal is to hit master level, which is a fourth degree black belt which means I can take it in four years. So after tonight's promotion, mm-hmm. you have to wait four more years and yes. go through a lot of training, I'm sure. Correct. For the next. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like that it's achievable, like that you have targets, you have goals. You do. And isn't that kind of like life as well? It's important to have targets and goals. It is something to keep you going, something to keep you looking to the future and and to keep you motivated. We need to be motivated in life. And and karate is one of those things that definitely um, is motivating. Um, Greater thing that motivates me, you know, I always talk it's God first. And um, Mm -hmm. so everybody knows what I'm all about, no matter where I am. It's it's about God first. And that's my greatest motivation in life. It's kind of cool to do something totally outside of what you do for a profession. I love it. I love it because I don't go in as Pastor Derese. I go in as Mrs. Burns. Mm. Um, and they all know who I am, yeah. but I go in as Mrs. Burns. When I go in there and I'm taking my class, I'm focused on exercising. I'm focused on not messing up a form when we're doing it. Mm. Um, and my brain resets. And all of the stress of the day goes away because I can't think about it. And I find I feel so much better when I'm done. So for the person who's saying, I don't have time to do... <laughs> this or that i'd like to do that someday but not now my my cart is full what would you say make the time and you know it's about balance we can't be so work oriented Mm. that we're not anything else oriented we can't be so exercise oriented 
that we're not anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love about karate is that it's a group of people. We've become a family. And so the motivation to go is high because <laughs> you're getting to see other family. Yeah. You're getting to see friends and you're getting to advance yourself and, and keep yourself fit and healthy. And it's a place where I don't have to be Pastor Burns unless I choose to be. Uh, what is next? What's next for you? What is next? Well, that's a really good question. You know, I've been work. One of the things I've really been working on is balance in my life. Yeah, balance between work and karate and time with God. Um, I've got a little bit, you know, an artistic side, yes. and so I've been working on doing some painting yes. to see how I do with that and some sketching and. Um, I do a lot with, um, I counsel several young ladies right now that I spend time with every week or every other week who have been through traumatic situations, um, investing in the next generation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm kind of in a path right now that I'm enjoying, and I feel very fulfilled because I'm fulfilling a lot of people and I'm doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Someday I'm going to retire, but I'm not quite ready yet. (laughs) (laughs) You're not allowed to yet. (laughs) Yeah, one retirement's enough. (laughs) I love hearing you say, I'm really enjoying. It feels like what you're saying in all of this is that I'm enjoying where I am in life right now. Yes. And um, I, I, I honestly just said that to my husband the other day. I'm feeling like there's not the frenzy of, you know, my kids are older now. Um, they're adulting on their own. My daughter still lives at home. I don't worry about things, but there's sometimes where you feel like things are kind of good right now. I'm afraid to think <laughs> of what's next. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think, you know, the last year has been very challenging yeah, for me. Yes. Um, yeah. And I will say as challenging as everything has been, my husband and I will be married 30 years in January. Ah, congratulations. <laughs> yes, we're going to go away for, we're going back to our honeymoon location um, for our 30th anniversary. But with all of the trials of losing both my parents very closely together yeah. and going through all of the sickness with my son and the things that we've been dealing with, my husband and I have stood strong and been a rock. And I think we hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Rims of Mugs, made possible by Iconic Sparkle. Get fun and fashionable accessories such as necklaces, earrings, and bracelets that can go with any outfit for any occasion for just $5. Owner Mandy Heinz desires to change the world through her accessories and what it allows her to offer. Fashion accessory advice, boosting confidence, and training those who want to start their own business. Learn more at IconicSparkle.com or on their app. Our relationship and closeness has been what has really brought me to that place of I'm okay with everything that's going on because I've got God and I've got him Mm -hmm. and he is steadfast for me and I'm steadfast for him. Um, And that has been a blessing that I have been truly grateful for this past year. So when we were just talking about goals and uh, objectives and things that we'd like to achieve, I, I couldn't help but think especially since I just found out how you came to know Jesus, I'm thinking, oh, I need to learn a little bit more about little Doris, like younger (laughs) Doris. Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, that's a really good question because when I was 10 years old, I decided that I was going to be an occupational therapist. Back then, they weren't very popular. Um, it wasn't as much of a thing as physical therapy at the time. It was. It had been a profession that had been around for a while, but it wasn't really well known. And so when I told people I was going to be that, they're like, 
you are 10 years old, you will change your mind. <laughs> Did you yeah. know an occupational therapist? What, what inspired you I to do that? I had an idea from kind of talking with people. So I said to my dad, I need to find an occupational therapist I can go watch. Well, my mom was a hairdresser and one of her clients was an occupational therapist. So my mom mentioned, she said, she can come to the hospital with me. Wow. So during a spring break, I spent a couple of days with her. I came home and I said, that's what I'm going to do. And they're like, you'll change your mind. Well, I never did. So I actually went to the University of New Hampshire for the five-year occupational therapy program. And before I became a minister, I was actually an occupational therapist for 30 years. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 30 years? 30 years I served as an occupational therapist in various settings. Wow. And in one way, it's not a surprise to me because your heart is to serve and to help others. And uh, that fits right in with really your life goal. Yes, my, right? li my life goal was to serve people. So mm -hmm. I did it as an occupational therapist first and then just shifted into being a pastor and a pastoral counselor and continued on. That's so interesting. <laughs> I love that. I love how God kind of gives us uh, opportunities to practice, to kind of get our feet wet, to jump in. And, and it's funny how he will use things all along our path once you get to where you know the places that you are today can't you look back and see oh, yes. oh that was <laughs> that was so much um you know study and practice for what i'm doing today so you want to hear a really funny story sure or at least i think it's funny um when i was in college before i went to do my internships i had to present my thesis to the occupational therapy college the professors and it was a graded thesis so I had to do a verbal presentation. It was great. I stuttered. I almost passed out. I turned red. I choked on my water. So when I finished the presentation, the lead instructor said, your thesis is excellent. Your presentation, not so much. Aww. We are going to pass you based on your thesis, but our recommendation for you is that you never speak publicly. No, and you're a pastor who preaches. <laughs> so God does have a sense of humor, by the way. <laughs> when you learn areas that you need to work on for sure right <laughs> well and although i was an occupational therapist um for many years i was in management um i was in management when i had a child i went back to being a therapist because my hours were more flexible um but i actually had many employees i ran multiple therapy and physician practices and i had to do a lot of public speaking mm. so as my career shifted I believe that God was shifting me to get me to a place where I realized that I could speak publicly. Mm. I just needed to recognize the gift and work on the talent. Um, that came to an accumulation when a wheelchair specialist once asked me if I would speak at a conference in Florida, and he flew me to the conference, was looking at potentially hiring me, um, and I was on stage in front of about 400 people. And it was a platform stage, and I walk a lot and move. And um, partway through my presentation, I walked off the back of the stage. Oh, no. So I figured that job was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the only thing I could think of to do in the moment. I jumped back on stage, and I said, now that I have your attention, 
I'm going to give you the most important point of my presentation today. Great. I walked off the stage and the guy said, you're hired. I said, I don't want the job. I don't want to travel 35 days a week, weeks, you know, weeks oh, a year. But yeah, um, yeah so <laughs> great cover. That's a great comeback story for sure. Uh, yeah, then you realize that's not really what I want to do anyway. Exactly. So when I was in kindergarten, probably, maybe even younger, but I remember it specifically became something that I wanted to do. I had a great teacher. Her name was Mrs. Beasley. You remember her name. That's significant. Yes. <laughs> well, I remember her name because there was a show, a TV show called Family Affair that had little... Sissy, Buffy, and Jody, and Mrs. Beasley was, I think, the nanny, maybe. Mrs. Beasley was yeah, the nanny, yeah. and we are aging ourselves, but I remember it well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so when I went, of course, the very first time that I enter a classroom and I meet the teacher, her name is Mrs. Beasley, I just, I just gravitated <laughs> to her, you know? And I remember my parents going in for a parent-teacher conference, and the, and the teacher said, you know, I kind of wondered what Denise was doing during the playtime. This was a private kindergarten, so they had an indoor classroom that was kind of like the playroom, mm -hmm. and it had chalkboards, and I would be at the chalkboard, writing on the chalkboard, and I'd have students lined up like in rows of chairs. She said, I realize she's teaching. <laughs> I was in kindergarten, <laughs> and I happened to have an aunt and uncle who were teachers, and so sometimes they would, you know, share some of their supplies, <laughs> teaching supplies with me. So dad set up a little classroom for me down in the basement. And for a number of years, I practiced teaching downstairs. That's very cool. <laughs> and I just knew I was going to be a teacher someday. And uh, I got to my sophomore year in high school and my guidance counselor, he discouraged me from uh, teaching. He said, oh, people are graduating and they can't get a job and you don't want to be a teacher. And I kind of shifted direction, which I know now God was directing my path, of course, to the, in the direction that I was going. But for a long time, I questioned, why did I have such a deep desire to teach when I was a kid? And when we first moved into this building here, I had been teaching a life group at our church, <laughs> and I love that. I yes. love the, that facilitating conversation and studying God's word and just having good conversation about what does that mean and how do we grow in this. And one day when I was preparing for, we started doing a uh, ladies Bible study here at the, yes. at the bridge and I was preparing for it. And I, I really felt like the Lord said, this is, this is why this was in your heart. And this is where it was coming. This this, I was leading you for this moment to this. And so I just feel like, you know, sometimes we have a direction that God kind of lays on our heart, but we don't see it come to fruition for a long time. Or it may come to fruition in a way we never expected. But I believe, you know, God takes those instances and he's crafting us. Mm -hmm. He's creating what he has for us that's a plan that we don't even know about yet. And then mm. one day we look back and say, oh yeah, God was all over that and I had no clue. <laughs> yes, we were doing the training and we didn't even realize <laughs> didn't even it. <laughs> but God is so good like that, you know, just to um, work his plan in us in not such an overwhelming way that we get so stressed out or we 
feel like it's just unachievable. I just love how patient God is with us. Absolutely. And one of the things I always like to share with people is, you know, they say to me, but I've been here. How Mm. could I do this for God? Mm. Or I'm in such a place right now, I don't even see the opportunity. And I think sometimes the world and circumstances and situations try to strip us of our value and Mm. our worth. Mm. And God creates each one of us with absolute value, absolute worth, and because of that, absolute purpose. And that purpose, sometimes we lose sight of, Mm. but God hasn't lost sight. No matter where you are, God has not lost sight. And as he brings us through circumstance and situations and he shows us things, we will see how in every one of those situations, he was crafting and creating in us the person that we needed to be to serve him and to show his light to those around us. Mm. Amen. So for the person who's listening and their and your heart was just poked a little mm-hmm. by what you just said, Doris, mm-hmm. about how God works and that he hasn't lost sight of you. That he knows exactly where you are and what's going on and that you have great value. Mm-hmm. What can we do if we're feeling invisible? If we're feeling like I'm just a lost cause. I just don't even know what where do I go today or tomorrow? You know, how do I know how do I get started feeling like I have value? Right. You know, and there's some several ways. Um, you know, the first is if you don't know God, you need to know who God is mm-hmm. because he is the one that will start to remind you that you were made with a purpose that you are loved by him and that's the basic love that we're all yearning for that we try to fill with something else Mm -hmm. and so god loves us so much but sometimes we need to we stay disconnected in our isolation because we think that's what we deserve and Mm -hmm. we don't we deserve to be with people who can lift us up and encourage us and so finding a place to go that's safe finding a counselor that's safe, finding a church that you can walk into like I did when I was 37 years old, didn't know anybody, and ultimately found a home that I never left, found people that even though I had no clue what they were doing when they were worshiping and praising, still welcomed me with a smile and held the door for me and showed me that somebody cared. Um, For me, when I start questioning myself, because we all do, I start doubting that I'm doing okay, I start feeling grumpy, um, praise music. Mm. I love turning, I'll put my headphones on and I'll do a prayer walk around the neighborhood and I'll crank the music to remind me who I am in Christ, not who I think I am in myself. Mm. Um, And so we take steps to connect, to find hope, to to reach out to God and Mm. say, boy, I desperately need you right now. And I need you to help me to find the people that can remind me that I have value and I have worth because everyone who's listening to me right now you have value and worth. It doesn't matter where you are or where you've been. God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He cares. And there are people that do too. Mm. Amen. Would you pray for us today? Pray Absolutely. for the one that's listening. On the other end of the earbuds or the speaker, the computer, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, that um, Pastor Doris would pray over us. Absolutely. Lord, right now we just come before you, and I pray that that your presence, Holy Spirit, that you would reach out to those that are listening to us and that they would find encouragement in the things that we talked about and shared today, mm-hmm. that they would find that 
they truly are seen and known by you. And that is the greatest one that we can have know us, care about us, and love us. They have not been forgotten. They have not been forsaken by you. God, sometimes we're in the the messy middle where we need to be able to look past it and remember that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And so I pray that you would help people to to see beyond the hurt today and, and the loss of hope and the difficulties and to know that you are real and that you are true. God, for everyone who needs a connection, I pray that they would be able to reach out and find the connection they need to find healing that they would be able to step out and serve others so that they could realize that there is a community of people that will lift each other up. And when we lift others up, we find ourselves being lifted up. God, I pray that as we're struggling, that we would turn on the praise music, turn on the, the bridge, and we would crank the music up, listen to the praise music, and rejoice in who you are and the gift of Jesus Christ and his salvation and the promise of the Holy Spirit with us forever. Holy Spirit, I pray for every heart listening right now that you would nudge hearts, that your love would be true, that you would remind them that they have a purpose, and that purpose will come to pass as we seek you, follow you, and serve you. Mm -hmm. God, I pray right now that love would abound, that hope would grow, that faith would become stronger than ever before, and that you would be the reason for it, and that your promise would never be forgotten, because it's a promise that goes from today through tomorrow, and right to eternity, when one day we will be with you and all of those that we love that know you as well. God, we love you so much. We can't do it in this world today without you. Mm. So I pray that you would be a very strong, a very real presence, Mm. and that we would know you personally so that we could walk well, we could hope for tomorrow, Mm. and we could praise you without ending. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And in the name of Jesus, we say amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's been my pleasure and my honor, Pastor Doris Burns. Thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. And thanks to you for listening to this episode of Over the Rims of Mugs. If you'd like to share comments or if you have a question, you can email us, podcast at wearethebridge.org. And you know, I co-host the morning show on The Bridge each weekday morning. I'd love to have you join me there or through The Bridge app. And you're also welcome to catch up with me for a daily devotion on my blog entitled Treasured Inside. You can find it directly at deniseharper.blog or links to all of these are at wearethebridge.org. Thanks again for joining me here. We were never meant to journey alone. Whether you're having a great day or a hard one, we need each other to celebrate and to stand in the gap. Sharing our stories helps remind us that we are not alone. And when we sit with women who sit at the feet of Jesus, the conversations are different. We walk away feeling inspired, not inferior, because we know this Christian walk is a race, but not a competition. I'm your host, Denise Harper, encouraging you to catch up with a friend or make a new one and enjoy some good conversation over the rims of mugs.